Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law, and with me as always, DJ Mark. What's up? Also joining me this week, giggling like a little school child, Lavender Gooms. You seem to really struggle there with school child. Uh, the reason why we're giggling is because, sure enough, as you predicted, Eddie did uh, you know, send us a message. Oh, yes. Uh, also joining us this week, Kid Presentable. Yeah, shout out to uh, our guy, Eddie, who's the uh, extra podcast member here. Uh, but he's just the audience. It's like that green room app, right? People are just here to listen and not to participate. Yeah, Eddie, um, Eddie is like one of the original members of Nirvana, where it's like, you know, he'll always be credited as one of the founding members. But, you know, no one knows who he is. Um, yeah, this is going to mean nothing to anybody. But we're using Discord for the first time ever to record this because, well, Google, we gave you... We gave you every chance in the world, honestly, but that was it. Too many problems. Um, and we have to probably figure out how to make a use a private voice channel maybe next time. Um, we'll see who else joins this podcast at random times. But until then, um, we're here to clutch all of our pearls about the mean things people say to each other when there's cage fighting and there's horrible people around the octagon. Marcus. Yeah. Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier, 1.8 mm. million people apparently ordered it legally, roughly. Nice. That's um, good. Well, people seem to enjoy watching this Irish guy fight. Um, probably a lot of other people watched it illegally. Other people watched it in other countries. A lot of people watched Conor McGregor fight Dustin Poirier, a fight where the first couple minutes seemed to be going Dustin uh, Conor McGregor's way, and then Dustin Poirier tried this cool thing called striking back. And then Connor didn't like that. And then Connor started getting beat up. And then the first round ended and Connor's leg was broken. Give a more detailed analysis, please, of what the people saw. Go ahead. <laughs> just explained all of it in the most generic hey, terms. Are you going to let Mark break down the fight in a better way, Bob? Come That's on. what I was going for. I'm looking for, I'll put it in layman's terms because everybody saw that. And then Mark's going to give you why these things happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think what was really interesting in this fight, and we broke it down last week, was, you know, obviously a lot of this was on Connor to make big adjustments inside and outside of the ring. And, and he did those adjustments. You know, I'll first talk about outside of the ring. It was a little bit of a 180 personality-wise, character-wise for Connor when it Because leading up to the fight, me and Stefan, I think we watched the countdown. We watched the embedded. And it... At least on those programs, Connor seemed pretty much the same type of guy that he was going into the second fight. He seemed calm, cool, collected, um, you know, happy to be back in the fight game, happy to be training again. Uh, and then the press conference came and there was a switch where we kind of saw a little bit of old Connor with the trash talking, with trying to get under Dustin's skin. But I think ultimately it, it felt false because we saw last time that was not how he was presenting himself at all. And also it just it, it seemed like a... 
a bad version of what he was so good at before because in these verbal exchanges he was just dominating these guys you know and i think for me one of the big things was when dustin made a, a joke at connor's expense with his new fasting he said it's not connor fast it's connor sleep you know good dig connor didn't have anything and back in the day you don't get zingers on connor he had something better that he would hit you with that would just shut you up and everyone's laughing and he kind of just took that one on the chin and and that was for me. I was like, that's kind of, you know, it's not quite the same level of Connor, but he came out brash and hard trying to get under Dustin's skin. And, and that's all well and good. You know, um, like we said, he had to make adjustments. And one of the things that a lot of people pointed at was, you know, the mental games in the second fight just weren't there. He wasn't really manipulating Dustin. He wasn't calling him out. He wasn't getting under his skin. So obviously this was an attempt at that, but it didn't seem to really have the same effect. And I, I think it, it loses a bit of luster when you just lost to the guy by knockout. Um, you know, saying the things that he he was trying to convey just don't hold the same metal as when you're this brash up and comer just killing everybody. That, th- those things are really minute uh, and, and don't really carry a lot of weight. But it was you you can tell from that point on that Connor was making adjustments. He was trying to approach this fight in a different way to be successful because the things he did the last time weren't successful. And outside of the octagon, that's all well and good. You know, mind games can play a factor, and they have helped helped Connor. He, even admittedly in the first fight, Dustin said he got under his skin. But the bigger improvements were was going to be what we saw in the octagon. And like you mentioned, Bobby, very early on, we saw a very different game plan. From it turned Connor, into an was, MMA fighter again, huh? Yeah, he, he started <laughs> use, utilizing a lot of the skills that got him to where he was, you know, where he got to be double champion. And that's utilizing his full array of striking abilities because, you know, I think a lot of people know Connor as someone who has a, a devastating left straight but back in the day, it was also he had a karate stance. He used a lot of sidekicks. He used a lot of spinning attacks. It it made the opponent have to worry about a lot more than just where is that left hand coming and where can I avoid it or, you know, mitigate damage. And we saw a lot of that in, you know, the first minute of this fight. He came out swinging kicks. He was throwing a lot of leg kicks, which it was a really good strategy on Connor's part. You know, Dustin is not, you know, and, and we'll get into the the aftermath where he's saying he's checking kicks. He's not a guy that checks kicks. He was not he was not doing much when he got hit with those kicks. He was not checking them. He was not punching off of them. He wasn't using them to set up takedowns. He was just eating them. In that first couple exchanges, Connor was dictating the pace, obviously putting pressure on. And one thing that he does really well that, you know, even a lot of top level guys in striking utilizes kicks is that when Dustin was trying to circle out to his right connor would cut off the ring with a spinning uh back kick to to the body which was it's it's a very difficult technique to land just in general but to have someone in motion and to use that technique to cut them off was really good so we saw a lot of good things from connor he even did you know those kicks set up a good left hand that landed on dustin and it took a little bit of time for dustin to kind of get in the groove once he did once he started finding areas where he could sit in the pocket and exchange that seems to be where Connor started feeling a little bit uncomfortable. When Dustin started throwing back and landing some shots, that's basically where Connor, you know, after getting a couple good shots and Dustin mixed it up and threw a good, uh, I think it was like a left uppercut. And when he came over with another right hook, you know, Connor, I don't think ne- he just fell into a position where it was a good position to get a clinch. You know, he uh, Dustin had overexerted himself. He had kind of ducked underneath it. He went for the clinch. And what's disappointing watching in the replay, if he really utilized that clinch position to try for a takedown instead of just tying Dustin up, he could have taken him down. He got him off balance. He got in deep on him, but it was really just a way for him to get in the clinch. Let's neg- negate the striking and try this another avenue. 
Yeah, Mark, but the first person who shoots is a bitch, right? Like, I thought we established that. Um, I mean, I think when... Bullshit leading up to this stupid... This when we get to that point where we're talking about, like, the, the aftermath, there's a lot of hypocrisy, a lot of catch-22s, oh, yeah. a lot of karma uh, coming I'm, back. I'm just, I'm just kidding, but yeah, go ahead, sorry. No, but I mean, that's, it, that's something that... It, when you're a brash fighter that talks a lot of shit, it, when you lose, it it comes all back to you, and I, I do want to get to the point where we're talking about how he handled the defeat, but just getting back into the fight, what I thought was interesting is when Connor did go for the clinch, we saw in the first round, he's really strong in the clinch. He was able to reverse Dustin, get him pushing up against the cage, was able to utilize a, a maneuver that he's very proficient at, those shoulder strikes, which did a lot of damage on on uh, Cowboy. And we saw in the second fight, you know, Dustin tried to do it too, not nearly to the same effect. Connor is really good with really digging up, digging into his heels and his hips and really pushing that shoulder up. And there was none of that in this fight. He kind of just, he let Dustin control him on the cage. And ultimately, you know, he got in a decent position for a guillotine. You know, he got a guillotine attempt with no arms in. But you really, that's a calculated move that fighters have to make when they get in that kind of position. Am I going to sell out and go for this guillotine full blast, go to my back and really try to finish the fight here? And I feel like you should really only do that when you're super confident that like, if plan A doesn't work, I got him in my guard and I got tools there too. And it didn't seem like Connor had that. I think Connor saw like, I have an avenue here to potentially get a guillotine. I'm going to try for it. Mike? You also got to be super confident in that if you're going for a guillotine and you're selling out like that, that if it doesn't work out for you, your name better be a Nate Diaz, you know, exactly. uh, or or, so, or someone who's just a true well, like black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu where you're not going to be fucked if that doesn't work well, out. Well, also where he was against the cage is not like the great place to be on your back either sometimes. You kind of get just trapped in there a little bit. Well, I mean, to, to the counterpoint, what we've saw Connor do in past fights, which he's very good at, is getting his back up against the cage and wall walking himself back up. We saw him do it with Habib. Habib, who's a fantastic grappler, was able to stop him doing that, right? He grapevined the legs and completely nullified him being able to stand up. But in the, in the second fight, Dustin got him down early, and that's exactly what Connor did. He scooted to the cage. He got his back up against it. He worked his way back up. We didn't see that in this fight because to do a wall walk like that, you can't really do it in guard. You kind of have to give up guard and go to half guard. You have to build up your base to get back up. And what we ultimately saw was once the guillotine failed, he was stuck in guard against the cage against Dustin Poirier, who, you know, has decent ground and pound. And he displayed that, you know, Connor was throwing some decent elbows, elbows himself. But that's just a position where you don't want to get in exchanges. You muted him. Apologies. As I say, two judges had a 10-8. That seemed a bit excessive hmm. to me. I mean, what do you think, Steph? Also, what do you think? 10-8 for the first round. What did you think about that? Easy 10-8. You did? Okay. Why not? The, I don't know. I mean, the, maybe, I mean, uh, I guess. I'm, I'm, maybe I still have the mindset of like, oh, it almost should have ended. But I guess we do need to give out more 10-8s. So, no, it's like, because, well, because it's like. You know, I said it to Mark when we were talking about an earlier fight that we'll get to because we kind of go reverse chronological. But in the O'Malley Moutinho, I'm like, easy 10-8s across the board, right? Because this kid's gotten zero offense off. You know, well, like, I guess, I guess I was never wonder. close. You know, the, I, the, the second round, he wasn't close to being finished. But I'm like, it's so one-sided. Like, the ground and pound for Dustin in that round was substantial. He popped, like, Connor's ear open 
with one of the elbows, like there was substantial ground and pound in there. I do, I do want to say, Bob, because I, I, I see your point and I agree to it an extent. I think what really sold the judges was the last 10 seconds. I was going to say, what, it, what, did they come up with the 10 8 before or after the man fell over with the broken leg? Is what I'm curious. Well, the about. round wasn't over. So, I mean, to, to get back that to the there's yeah. there certain things that need to be, you know, accounted for. Um, I, Dustin called, I, ultimately, how the fight got back up, because Dustin was dominating a couple times he would stack up too high and connor would be able to kind of get heels on hips and be able to try to utilize some up kicks which you know some of them did you know landed pretty cleanly but dustin was able to roll those off get back into position ultimately those were what, controversial in their own right and that's exactly what i mentioned that dustin yeah ultimately how connor got back up is because connor was putting his fingers into dustin's gloves and he was pulling him down while he was throwing the up kick which you know is a great technique it's also illegal um, and Dustin basically was complaining to Herb. He basically turned all the way around and was like, dude, he's putting his hands in my gloves. Herb saw that, did nothing, let Connor stand up, and then the fight presumed. So I think, you know, tactically, that wasn't a super great decision on Dustin's part. I don't think it's a bad idea to try to clue in the referee like, yo, this dude's blatantly cheating and trying to win off of an illegal technique. And I think when Dustin also points out that's just what he does, he did it in the Habib fight, you know. And look, I mean, easy for us on the sidelines to be like, oh, yeah, I wouldn't grab the cage when I'm getting taken down or put my fingers on. Of course, we're 10 years into John Jones sticking his fingers in everybody's eyes, just out. So, yeah. like, there's so, some things just no, they're not going to make you stop. You're not going to stop. To, to circle back, Bob, I think really what solidified the 10 8 was Dustin was doing good work on, he was doing good ground and pound. Connor was competitive when they stood back up, and ultimately when the heel broke. They ex they both exchanged left hands. N neither landed, but as we well know now, that's where Connor's ankle broke, and he went to his butt. And that I think I think that him dropping to his butt, the referee, the judges not necessarily knowing if it was a strike. You have to remember the seven seconds after where Dustin is raining on this that's dude, true. and I remember I was thinking like, don't stop it, don't stop it. There's like three seconds left. Do not stop this fight right now. I think when you have that, that's used to be the moment where you get 10 8, right? Where you're super, yeah, you're on you the verge of, of winning the fight. And I think that's what put it over the edge. Oh, over there, it was very competitive. Dustin was dominating. He did a lot more damage. But I think it was that last 10 seconds where he got, you know, for a judge who didn't see it, I, I remember in real time, and I don't know, Mike, if you, in real time, I, I thought he, he dropped him with a punch. Okay, one, of us said, see... one of us said he like might have broke his foot. And then like, we didn't know his whole, like, he broke his lower leg, like right above his ankle. He broke his. Right. His uh, broke and, two bones. And I guess if you consider that, yeah, like the fight got stopped in between rounds. So, yeah, like you you, you can't take into account, oh, he broke his foot. So let's just give him a 10-9. I mean, it's like, this doesn't matter. Got his ass the, this doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. And honestly, Stefan has a good point. It could have been a 10. You could argue 10-8 just based on ground and pound. So, um, yeah, the man snapped his shit entirely. Um, it was then... real gross. Um, and he snapped his. And he snapped the uh, his tibia and the fibia are Tib both uh, completely broken. Yeah, compound fractured. This sport is fucking wild, man. We're watching a lot of people what, get fucked it, up recently. Was it a compound fracture? Is it compound? If it, I think it's compound. If it breaches, compound the skin. is when it breaks the skin. Yeah. It, so, oh, then uh, never mind. The no, there's, there's another word that starts with a C. That means that well, means that's that the other medical term. Um, okay, let's just go piece by piece by this, and I want to talk about Dustin Poirier first. Because we'll talk about the controversy, but let's let's give the man his flowers here, as they say. Dustin Poirier is fighting for the UFC lightweight championship against Charles Oliveira. He's basically viewed as the uncrowned champion 
Dustin Poirier. Not to diminish Charles Oliveira. The man's got the belt, but Dustin probably deserved it. Dustin could have taken a title shot this last fight, and he didn't. Um, just quick, Stefan. How do you think that matchup works out? How do you how do you see those guys matching up? An early pick, who would you say? Well, this is an official, but who do you? Yeah, say? I mean, like you said, kudos, kudos to Dustin. You know, we we say it time and time again. Couldn't happen to a better guy. He basically passed up the title shot for a big paycheck, and I think you reported the buys. It's going to be a nice paycheck for him. Good you know? for him. So, yeah. uh, and it's 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 a matchup he clearly has in the bag at this point, right? Mm. Uh, you know, Mike was swayed by the talk. Um, but having watched a lot of that stuff, like me and Mark, I, I was with Dustin. Like the talk wasn't so good, you know. The first thing Connor came flying with is you're a bitch and you're Jolie's, uh, you're Jolie's wife, and it's like you used to be better than that, man. You used to be better. Well, than he, that. he used to be funny. But that was the big takeaway from Connor. I, what used to be I funny, was, bro? <laughs> I was so swayed. I was, I was intoxicated by that press conference, man. I was swayed. I changed my fight pick. I'm like, yo, it's gonna be on, and that was a big fucking mistake um to just touch quickly on the uh press conference um it struck me more as connor before the habib fight um when it comes to that press conference than than anything else so it was an old it was a version of old connor but just you know not the funny connor when he was coming up okay um, so it's, so it's an old man kicker but so yeah circling back <laughs> Circling back to the uh, the matter at hand and what's what's to come forward, um, yeah, it's it's a very well deserved shot. Uh, I am hoping I can find a way to lay a bet because coming off of this, I expect Dustin to be the favorite, but I'm picking Charles to win, um, because Dustin will rightfully deserve. He'll have a lot of hype behind him. He'll have a lot of momentum. He beat Connor. He beat Connor twice in a row. Connor was the biggest thing in the sport, but I think those of us who've been watching closely have known Connor's been diminishing for a minute now. And that Connor has not been his peak form, but over on the other end where no one's been paying I got attention. A betting line. I've seen Charles Oliveira really round out into being like one of the best fighters in the division. Uh he has power and you know we saw him handle chandler right that uppercut came out of nowhere those straights those hooks when he lit chandler up he lit chandler up and what is one thing that has remained true about dustin he's very hittable you know his he's got defense but connor still cracks him but connor's power wasn't there like it used to be right what, some of those punches would you know what's nice stuff they both are very hittable it's gonna be a good fight this could be a good fight because he uh, charles got yeah. cracked by chandler too <laughs> like yes yeah, so, and then the, the other expert factor is if it goes to the ground charles and connor are on different planets if it goes to the ground charles is one dangerous dude you know charles could put dustin on the ground if he wants you know charles has been getting really strong he's been really improving his offensive takedowns you know and we've seen dustin is a very capable grappler but he's been dominated by superior grapplers in the past not yeah. saying that charles is distinctly that but charles is so well-rounded that um, I think there will be nice money to be had on him. Well, here we go. I'm assuming he'll be the underdog in that fight. Here's the betting line. I got one betting line from FanDuel. I know Stefan hates the FanDuel betting lines for stuff like this. Minus 158, Dustin Poirier, plus 134, Charles Oliveira. That's what we got give right now. That, give me an underdog line on Charles all day. I, I love it for him. You know what uh, made me a little bit sad is when uh, Connor said he wanted to fight Charles when he, if he, if he won – the fight he wanted to fight Charles at uh, Allegiant Stadium, which is where the Raiders play, and I was like, "Ah, oh, shit, I'd go to that. That sounds like fun, man. A football stadium? I'd, like, I'd probably afford that ticket." 
Um, yeah, Dustin, um, getting that title shot. We'll see when it happens. Coming out of this relatively healthy, you think? We don't know. Um, my favorite part was when he went full Kanye West and told everybody to kiss his whole asshole. That was, that was, that was A, A plus. Uh, Dustin turned into old Dustin a few moments in that, but the post fight, I remember, I'm like, oh, I remember this guy. But I remember when forget, it wasn't this charity. <laughs> don't forget, along with telling the whole crowd, kiss my old whole asshole, he also shouted out a kid that, you know, like had, had cancer. Oh yeah. Like he also said very <laughs> nice things as well. We he also going. said, I want Connor to get back to his beautiful family while also calling him, what was he called him? Um, a dirt bag, I think. I a point. dirt bag, yes. Dirt bag. Yes. Okay. I got a couple, so let's get into there's Connor. A there's, all over the place. there's a couple different things to get into here. Um, okay, let's just go with like the post-fight whole thing, I guess. Um, I'm not going to lie to myself about, I, I, I realize, uh, this is me personally, my expectations need to be dropped severely about what the people in this sport are. That being said, you probably shouldn't say you're going to come murder someone in his family. There's that. Second, though, Mike... Why the fuck are we talking to the man who's got a snapped leg? Because when Weidman snapped his leg, we the focus was getting him out of the cage. When Anderson snapped his leg, you could hear Anderson howling in pain while Weidman was talking to Joe Rogan. Conor McGregor is seething. A combination of anger, adrenaline, and the fact that his leg is snapped in two pieces. Mm -hmm. Joe mm -hmm. Rogan's sitting next to him. What are we... I mean, I'm not saying he was doing good. He's just saying the things let, he said. Let me, let me tell you something right here, Bobby. You just explained in that last sentence why they spoke to Connor. That shit was beautiful TV. Having well, look, Joe Rogan lay down on the octagon floor like, yo, Connor, let's let's cut it up. Oh, man, that leg doesn't look too great. Why don't you tell me what's, what happened Didn't, in this well, fight? Wasn't there that a whole was thing? great TV. We had a whole thing for like three, four months at least, maybe longer, where we weren't talking to the people who had just been like, fucked up or knocked okay. out that yeah, went away yeah, yeah. at some point too yeah, that, was, started... that, that was real fucking cute all right we're in the ratings business baby okay <laughs> how mean, else are how else are you gonna get your wife is in my dms unless you put a mic in uh, front my of favorite Connor's part face. was when mrs poirier flipped connor off i was like oh lady <laughs> she ain't playing <laughs> i mean what do you think man when it was all said and done like i was you just do you disappointed in him do you just find it entertaining do you even give a shit honestly uh, I find it highly entertaining. If Connor isn't gonna win fights anymore, be a buffoon. Fuck it. Who cares? It's the fight business, baby. That's what we're here for. We're here to be entertained, and we're not looking for heroes. Um, in, in uh, heroes and mentors in uh in, in cage fighters. So, you know, Connor, give Connor, you know, credit in this aspect that even with his um his leg at a perpendicular angle. Um, he's, he's promoting the next fight. All right. He's promoting the next fight. Just in case a Poirier Connor four happens. All right. You got to have a little heat on there. Okay. And not the heat that they applied to his ankle. No, I'm talking about heat for the fight. You don't think that's an ice situation? I think you, I think you put some heat, then ice, and then you alternate. Come on, Bobby. This is like first aid 101 it's, it's not a muscle it's a bone that's in multiple pieces i mean there's muscle there Somewhere. um steph um i don't want to dismiss the man saying he was going to show up and shoot a man in his head um but what did you what did you think at the end when it was all said and done you know it, it'll be weird because I'm, I'm gonna land on the other side of this from mike you know and i'm the guy who touts the paul brothers and their train wreckness uh and everything 
Um, Mike is right. He had the right choice of words of buffoonery. Um, Connor really worked him in, in pro wrestling terms. He really worked himself into a shoot in that moment. Mm. You know, uh, he just became a seething asshole. Like I don't, I don't know that his faculty was all there. Yeah, that he was. I'm gonna work on selling the next fight. I think he's in a shit amount of pain, and I think his full asshole is coming out. Like Connor, he, he's never gonna admit he, it, but he knows he fought. He, I think he knows he went too far. He's never gonna admit that shit publicly, but yeah, he, he's like, got to. He's got to. He's not that dumb. That was that was my read. It wasn't like, uh, you know what? Let's get ready for the fourth fight. It's him being in full asshole mode because he's angry and frustrated and he's in an extreme pain sitting there for God knows how long because a stretcher never came when the broadcast went off. Like he was still sitting in that cage after Dustin and his whole family had left the cage. You know, um, I, I, I didn't like it because it's a similar thing with a lot of legends. Mick Connor don't won't give a shit about this, but he should. It's a thing that tarnishes his legacy. It's a thing that makes him a punch like a punchline on the way out. You'll look at the last several years of his career and be like, man, how did we ever like this guy in the first place? Like, yeah, Anderson it, well, Silva was on that trajectory for a minute where he was just going to lose to everybody. There's like a lot of legends. They become comical things. You know, you see like legend champion. You know, you don't want to see Connor in bare knuckle one day. You know, like the the whatever the sadist in you, like oh yeah, you know, I, I'm pretty much joking when I say I want him to fight a Paul brother. But for the actual people who are truly great in this sport, you never want to see him fall that far. And this seems like it. It felt dirty to me because it felt like a precursor to Connor is a caricature of a human being, and it's really sad where he is now after we really thought this was the guy who changed the game forever and was truly going to be a Mount Rushmore figure of the sport, and now he's a fucking pitiful punchline. Like, look at BJ Penn right now, and tell me Connor isn't on that trajectory more than anything else. It's a long way to go, but if I mean, Connor, Connor behaves the way he behaves, if he loses the way he loses, he becomes a sad, like, punch-drunk, like, buffoon, like BJ Penn. BJ Penn, man, he he's not even winning his bar fights. You got to choose old men like Connor does. Um, yeah, honestly, is Connor's shit talk used to be funny. My um, what was uh, my brother and I were uh, um, I was giving him a ride home and he goes, "Man, remember when Connor said who the fuck is that guy? It was hilarious." And he's just like, "What happened to that guy?" I'm like, "Oh, he still fights." And he's like, "Yeah, I don't care." <laughs> that was hilarious. And I'm like, "Yeah, it used to be more fun." Honestly, I don't. I mean, Mark, I'm not giving him a pass for anything he said. You shouldn't say that shit. We do not need to, put a, need to put a microphone in front of his mouth with it when he's in that position. No one should be put up, should have a microphone in their mouth when their leg is in two pieces. Well, I mean, I agree. They probably shouldn't have done the interview, but I mean, could they have not? Could you have gone to that broadcast with not having Connor say anything? I, I, I don't know how that goes. Like, it would just be he's someone who's so outspoken. To have him have that break and not talk to him would also. I guess feel it didn't help that they were weird. talking shit until Joe Rogan got to him too. I guess. I mean, I, I, I definitely lean on the side of Steph. Where I mean, not only did I think it kind of tarnishes him a little bit, but like, one, it was a bad power look. Like he, he he's talking shit and stuff, but it's like, dude, you're you're sitting on your ass right now because your leg's broken. Like this is not a a moment of stature or of power where you can talk shit and you don't look foolish doing it. But I think even more so was there's been a lot of fighters that have that aura that that Connor used to have and and would be able to generate some of the excitement and where you really see the kind of the measure of a man, the measure of a fighter 
is how they take that L. And that's something that Connor used to do in stride. When he lost to Nate the first time, he was just like, this is just what happens, man. This is the game. It's dangerous. It's hard. Sometimes you don't win, and that's just the way it goes. He and was like that after the first fight. I mean, that the fight back in January. Yeah. like. And But we've also seen these times where it hasn't been like that. With the Habib fight, you know, that was more Habib kind of going off and just being kind of nuts after, and, and, and he was kind of laying back. But this was... This was him not showing that. This was someone that we saw get dominated and beat. He lost around 10-8. And, you know, he did lose to injury. And he's yelling at the referees, a doctor stoppage. Make sure it's a doctor stoppage. I was like, dude, does it matter? Or not? Like, you're not winning this fight. They continue. You're not going to hobble around and beat this man. He's going to demolish you even more. But to have him be in that, in that situation where the power is gone, like you lost it, what you can save is your dignity. And to have him kind of shit that away and be like, I'm not even going to try to be the bigger man here. I'm just going to talk. I mean, and it could, you know, Bobby, it could be the moment caught up to him. There was a lot riding on him, right? Everyone's saying, like, Connor has to win this fight or his his reputation, his draw is going to die with him. I feel like he saw that slipping away. He's angry. He's hurt. He's demoralized. He's feeling small. He's someone with a huge ego. Yeah, he's someone with a huge ego that at this point, even losing, he probably felt the smallest he's ever felt. Because he's not he's not standing. He didn't stand up with Herb Dean when they called the decision. He had to sit there and he had to let Dustin walk around with his hands up. Well, he couldn't do anything about it, right? But the only thing he can do, you shove a microphone in his face. I'm gonna fucking kill you and the, and that's that's where it looks it looked extra pitiful and weak. It's just like yeah. now, now now you're gonna talk about shooting this guy? Like you're a fighter. It used to be no one can touch me. I'm too fast. These guys are too slow. Now it's I'm going to kill you at night because fuck you. And it's just like okay, you've you've lost all credibility. I, I, dude, We're he, going honestly, nuts now. he lost the plot at the end there and I just like you could see him like grint grunting and shit. I'm just like yeah probably why are we pain. talking to the idiot here? Like I, I get it. Look I'm not an idiot. I have you all my know, friends who who are half-assed MMA fans texting me about how much they hate Connor, and I would just respond. I'm like, none. I'm like, you wouldn't have paid for this thing if Connor wasn't this way. Not, not, not. Let me tell you, when they interviewed Charles Oliveira and they wanted to ask, ask him what he thought, I wanted Charles Oliveira to be like, yeah, I saw about five million dollars of my bank account disappear when Connor McGregor got knocked out. That's what I was waiting for Charles Oliveira to say. Like, it's like this clownish, buffoonish stuff is reprehensible. Yeah, He's gonna sell but- two million pay-per-views when he comes back. Like, uh, I, I thought it was a good choice of words where he said uh, he lost the plot. Um, did you guys hear the reports of what he was screaming out the arena while he was being stretchered out? Uh, no. Uh, he he apparently kept screaming, you need people like me. Uh, that and, is actually true. <laughs> and someone, com- and true. someone commented, though, like, every person I've ever heard who quotes Scarface seems to fail to remember what the ending of Scarface is. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I, I've got to think, like, he, that, what he said wasn't false, but I'm like, it doesn't have a happy ending, <laughs> like, when you oh, say it's, that. It's like, the uh, thing uh, is, uh, though, is, like, the train keeps going. Like, he, he, he's been... The reason why he's at the position he's in right now is because he left to do other things. He hasn't been... When he was in the game and fighting every three months, he was unstoppable because he was he was setting the bar curve for the game. You left the game, the game passed well, you, you know up. What? Okay, we got nine months to talk about this man at least till he comes back. But I just want to say, I'd like to know how good he is because my last two examples of him fighting the best lightweight in the world or second best lightweight and him fighting Donald Cerrone and killing him, I need him to fight like, I know he's not going, I mean, if he comes back and Dustin's the fucking champion and Conor McGregor gets a title shot, let's not act like it's, we're surprised that when that happens. But yep. it'd be real cool if he fought like Tony Ferguson or somebody who's like number eight or number nine, just so we can see where we're at. 
I'd like to know where we're at with this guy because I have no concept of what he has left. He's not at his he's not in his prime anymore. We missed that. That was when he killed Eddie Alvarez when he was in the Matrix. I'd like him to come back with his if he's which honestly, if I had if I made two hundred million dollars last year, you would never hear from me again. So if he's really coming back, sounds like he is. I'd like to see what I'm dealing with here before we just book this fourth fight and I watch him fight a guy who's made the adjustments, who's Dustin's better than him. We know that now. Dustin at this point is better than him. Is I don't know who number five is. Where's RDA? Is RDA number better than him? I don't know. What's our let, let's is Tony Ferguson better than him? I don't know. Is whatever lightweight's number eight is you know better than him? I don't know. But I mean, I'm thinking like this is logical. We're past the point of logic with this motherfucker. Like whatever. We got to move on. Um, uh, just one, just one quick, a uh, few quick ahead, things. Um, he'll have a bunch of people that want to fight him because everyone likes money. Mm-hmm. And then two quick other things. It can be funny uh, when you threaten people's family. Uh, quote, I'm going to eat your kids. Praise be to Allah. Mike Tyson. I was going to um, say, people who are saying this is bad look for combat sports. I'm like, well, we're all kissing Mike Tyson's ass still in 2021. But And uh, two, this is the second example of a bad who is on his ass in a rig trying to dictate shit from a position of power that we've seen before. Uh, 2005 Royal Rumble, when Vince McMahon blew out both his quads. Both quads! Uh, <laughs> first thing I thought about when Connor was there yelling, Dr. Stoppage, Dr. Stoppage, I just had flashes of images in my head of Vince McMahon trying to direct shit, not being able to get up. If you guys want a good time, you Google Edge, his reaction, his story about that, because Edge was the guy who got thrown out right before Vince came out. And Edge said he was in the back and try and laughing as hard as he possibly could trying not to be seen um all right co-main event gilbert burns steven thompson i mean we're gonna go fast through some of these fights and this is one of them i just want to say um i enjoyed the last 10 seconds of the fight where the referee said fuck these unified rules and let gilbert burns just start pounding on the back of wonder boy's head um yeah gilbert did what he had gilbert did what he had to do that's really all you can say right steph he needed to you do what you got to do when you're trying to figure out that puzzle sometimes yeah, it was kind of a clean, decisive win. Um, you know, he he really did went go to his jujitsu game. Uh, I was happy about that just because, as someone who's touting the horns of one uh, Leon Edwards, um, I was like, okay, I need a, I need one Wonder Boy to lose, and I need a not spectacular win from Gilbert uh, Burns to do that. Uh, and Gilbert Burns is out here calling out Jorge Masvidal who is the guy who they're tying to Leon Edwards. So that works out in my eyes to get Leon his title shot. Uh, You know, Gilbert is taking one for the team, doing us a solid. Another guy who was being booed mercilessly. And you all know it. I was yelling boo earns. But uh, yeah, that was a weird co-main to main event situation. Because in that one, we had uh, everyone chanting USA and booing Gilbert Burns. And then in the main event, we had everyone booing the American and cheering the Irish guy. If anything I could say about Las Vegas, it is not consistent. No, not at all. Uh, Wonder Boy, man, that's it, man. 38 years old. Uh, Mike, hard to see a man in this weight class trying to build himself back up another time to get a title shot. If this was heavyweight, sure. But that might have been the last run for Wonder Boy to get a title shot. Extremely hard. And I would assume at this point now, he's just um, playing out the rest of his contract because he is hitting that UFC sweet spot in the last few years where if you're not contending for a title and you're of a certain age where you're earning a certain amount of money, yeah, they don't need you anymore. I like Wonder Boy. I hope he sticks around. 
Um, I will say this uh, also just because uh, Mark can uh, attest to this. There, Mark and I know the real reason Wonder Boy lost this fight. Um, in the Embedded's, Wonder Boy was gifted a sweet ass boxing robe that said Wonder Boy on it. It was white and blue, and we're like, shit, they're gonna let them wear that to the cage. That's gonna be dope. That that boxing robe is one of the best things a part of the entrance. But what happened? Nah, he had to wear that crypto shirt. The, the crypto logo wasn't on the boxing robe. And so that that really threw off his game. But I am happy because, again, if you watch the embedded, when they're talking to Wonder Boy Thompson in the middle of one of his segments, the dude just cuts a two minute promo for some zombie survival mobile game that is not officially sponsoring the video. So at least we know Wonder Boy's getting that mobile game money. So you, you got to look at right. Wonder Boy on YouTube, man. Got a good YouTube channel. Um, Tai Tuivasa, Greg Hardy. Mark, that was just really just satisfying on every level. What happened in, the, in that in, in those sixty-seven seconds? Yeah, I mean, yeah, on every level that you kind of expect from this fight with two guys that kind of just run at each other and get quick knockouts, and you know, you, you add in the the extra flavor text of you know Greg Hardy's past, and you know, if you know about it, you kind of want to see him get his comeuppance. And Ty Tversa is just like. He played into that really well, and I think you you have to. I mean, we we used to talk about this all the time, and we don't mention it hardly ever now because it's become such a moot point because the UFC has neutered people's entrances to su such a point that it's just not important. But Ty came out to Spice Girls, and there's yeah. a reason why he came out to a woman in, in empowerment song because Greg Hargy beat up his girlfriend or wife. I don't know what their affiliation. Uh, I don't really know his, much of the story. Girlfriend, pregnant or... girlfriend, his pregnant girlfriend. She was pregnant. Their ass. I believe Jesus. she was pregnant. I, okay. You know what? Allegedly. I don't know. Uh, but he for sure threw her onto a bed full of guns. Oh, okay. Um, that weirdness aside, Ty was playing into it. They had a fight that lasted a minute and seven seconds, and it was awesome because Greg cracked him. Ty was on was skating there for a second. He had the slippery fish legs going. And then Demo he he hit Greg Hardy so hard when he fell to the ground, he wasn't even looking at the man. He was looking up in the bleachers. He was looking out to the crowd and just you know, destroyed it was a, that orbital bone, too. His yeah, orbital his bone eye, was destroyed. Yeah, his, we may not see Greg Hardy again, honestly. Um, I don't know. I, I think we will, but it was just in, in that moment. It was just like everything just worked up perfectly. You know, he got he he had a fight where it was action packed for every second it lasted. He had to come back from a little bit. He didn't just run over Greg. Greg cracked him hard, and he stuck in the pocket and, and got a vicious knockout. And then you know all the theatrics after drinking, drinking. Oh God, drinking the booze. The, the, the first shoey, which was a more regulated shoey, where he was controlling what was going in the shoe, how he was drinking it. That was all fun. That's part of his gimmick. The Mark, I want to say the part that you're leading up to. Mm -hmm. I will say I've seen no one else mention it, which tells me that no one continued watching the broadcast. Because no one saw who the true villain of this evening was. Oh, God, was. that's and Mark, I think you're getting to it. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, so out, walking out, to the, um, out of the arena, you know... The crowd still off that high. Spice Girls, a vicious knockout. Dude's drinking beer out of a shoe. Let's do one more. Someone brings out their dirty sneaker. He's not going to say no. They start pouring beer into it, which is, I guess, the thing you do. Mm. Some jackass got... I, I have to imagine it's Dustin Poirier's hot sauce, because who else is bringing hot sauce to this fucking thing? Starts pouring <laughs> the fucking hot sauce. And, you know, this is partly on time. This is partly on management. People looking out for him. Because no one stopped this fucker. <laughs> What's he pouring in the drink? Is it hot sauce? Is it rat poison? Who gives a fuck? It's going in the shoe. It's going in this dude's mouth. He drinks it. We don't know what it is. We, The reaction he has 
is better than any of the the hot ones reactions when they're eating the hot wings and they're expecting it like, because Ty just just gobbled down all this hot sauce and booze out of someone's dirty ass shoe and you see the reactions like oh my god that tastes disgusting and it's burning he's doing the trying to get the taste out of his mouth it, it was it pretty was comedic wonderful um, but that guy's a fucking asshole. Honestly, if I was Ty, I would have beat the shit out of that guy. Like, what the yeah. fuck are you doing? I'm I'm living a high right now. I'm having the biggest moment. Are you trying to roofie me? You trying to roofie me with hot sauce? What's I going on here? Out, I just knocked out the woman beater to the Spice Girls, and now you ruined my night. I would have slugged that dude for sure. Let I'm, me tell you, man. In fairness, he, he got that taste out when the person from like twenty feet up, you know, just started dropping beer into his mouth. Yeah, that was fucking look, amazing. Let me tell you, Mike, it went in. And if it was it was hot going in, it's gonna be if it was hot going in, it's gonna be hot going out. So Tai Tui Vasa had a rough time later that night. Let me tell you that much hot sauce. I mean, I, no, I like uh you know I like hot sauce and you know, end result as well. It's nice. <laughs> Wonderful. Um yeah, Ty's just Ty's Ty, Ty's gonna be in the UFC as long as he wants to be in the UFC, I guess. This is just who he is. Um we'll see what happens with Greg Hardy. Um, which I feel we did not get. And this is his first fight of his where we really got to enjoy the justice we wanted at the end of it. I will say this about Greg Hardy. I know none of us actually care, but is anyone else slightly surprised he doesn't seem to be getting better in any kind of way? Like, he no. still seems to be no. plotting, I'm just going to punch your lights out, but I no. don't have any other facet to my MMA game. Like, what is he doing at American don't Top Team? care about oh. his success rate, but for a guy being the world-class athlete as he was, don't we think he would pick this sport up a little bit better than he has? He's not – he's been in it for a minute now. Like, when you look at his number of fights, he, he didn't he, just he's, start – He's quick, though. He's quick, and he's got some hands, and that's the same level he's been at for the, this entire time. Mike? Uh, yeah, basically, yeah. he's the same fighter he was when he showed up is my so, point. To, an- to answer your question, no. Um, one of the things when he was in the NFL and he was an all-pro defensive end when he was there – um, one of the things that they said about him was quick off the line, very powerful, athletic specimen. One of the things you never really heard about Greg Hardy was student of the game. So if he wasn't doing that in football, why would he do that in his second profession? Mike, were you the one who sent the thing where about uh, Greg Hardy where he said that uh, he didn't like Derek Lewis because Derek Lewis was a felon? Yes, that was me. Greg Hardy, I'm not entirely comfortable with Greg Hardy playing up the villain shit that he is. Because I've seen the pictures of what he did to that poor woman. Yeah. Like I don't need I don't need you to play it up. Like it's you're an asshole. We're on board with you being an asshole. Let's not lean into it here, buddy. Um okay, um Irene Aldana, who man was it her or Yana who managed to get the shirt that did not have the crypto crypto logo, who somehow managed to bring her their old fight kit in or something, where their their shirt they did not have the crypto logo on their chest. So I think it was Irene. <laughs> She did not have the crypto. Yeah. Um, missed weight. Um, said it was due to her uh, period starting, which women seem to agree. Yep, that'll do it. You'll stop. We'll get, losing weight is not easy during that time. She fucking cracked Yana with the left hook, I think, was it? Cracked her. Yana's a tough woman, too. Um, Irene needed that one, I think. That was a big win for her. Put her right back on track. Um, I don't know what else to say, Steph. Just you know, we'll see where we go from here with her. <laughs> yeah, um, let's just keep her away from Holly Holm. That's a rematch we never ever need to do again. Um, she acknowledged it was her worst fight ever. I'm not worried about miss- her missing weight. Um, I got a laugh today, Bob. I mentioned uh, Ariel 
we'll, we'll bring up this up later when we're talking about general things. But Ariel, uh, he's been making the media rounds uh, since gaining his free agency. Um, he recently did the Bill Simmons podcast. I mentioned Simmons is a real casual guy, but one thing Simmons is not casual about, he is a degenerate gambler. And Ariel told uh, Bill before the fights a little note that historically, fighters who miss weight win their fights. And yep. so on today's episode of the Bill Simmons podcast, one of the first thing Bill brings up is, so that Irene Aldana, she missed weight and she won by knockout. He's like, that I'm putting that in the old memory bank for the next fight that I bet. <laughs> He's like, fighters missing weight, well, I am putting big was it money the one year on fighters the- missing weight. The one year where the fighters missing weight were something like 11 and 2 or 11 and 1 or something like that one year. I remember it was absurd. But I, I think the key is you want them to miss weight where they're just like, yeah, I don't feel like hitting the limit. You don't want them to be like dying. Uh, what's your guy who just uh, lost to Moreno dying at the scale looking like Skeletor? You don't want them that kind of weight miss. You want the weight miss where they're just like, yeah, I'm not doing it. You know what? I'm a couple of pounds over. Take my 20%, whatever. That's that's the mi- weight miss that you want to bet your money. By the way, uh, Davison Figueroa has a pet buffalo named Ferdinand. Just want to point nice. that out. I just made me like Davison Figueroa more. I wish they promoted this before the fight. It would have been the guy who has a pet buffalo versus the guy who likes the Funko Pops. Um. All right. Um. This was amazing. Sean O'Malley versus Chris Motinho. Um. Amazing for who? Sean O'Malley landed was at eighty three percent of his strikes, broke every record that he had for most strikes he landed in a fight, and uh, my only thing is I think I think Herb Dean had Sean O'Malley by knockout in his parlay because Herb Dean just kind of <laughs> stopped this shit <laughs> with twenty seven seconds left. Where I mean I'm gonna agree with Dana White here, where Dana White said honestly at any point in the last two rounds you could have just been like well we're done here. Um, Chris Motinho. Got beat up worse than I, I haven't seen a guy get beat, up, get beat up this badly in a long time. And just he kept walking forward. Um, someone said it was like they reanimated a corpse and have him fight Sean O'Malley. Um, Motinho, by the way, is posting. Uh, yeah, I've heard uh, his nickname. It, people, they're really stressing it because they want it to be a play on Korean zombie. But they keep calling him the green zombie for okay. uh, emphasizing that neon hair. That is he, pretty whack. I just put it in our group chat here. Um, it's a meme someone made. It's on our WhatsApp group chat, boys, where someone took Randy Marsh, colored his hair green. Yeah. It's from the uh, <laughs> it's from the baseball episode where Randy Marsh is fighting everybody, and the caption is, hey, O'Malley, I didn't hear no bell. Um, dude, I was looking, I'll be honest, this morning I was looking for these to see if this kid had like a, a T-shirt. Or some sort of like Venmo. I was gonna pitch this Motinho guy five ten bucks because this guy is not long for this sport, and I was thoroughly entertained by this man. Like I, I was, I honestly hope they like he st- they they made him stay up that night because I kind of feared what would happen if he. They said all of his scans were clear. So I'm clear. I'm like, how? Okay. How was it clear? He got pummeled. I mean, Mark, I don't know. I mean, Sean O'Malley looked excellent, but I'm not sure he's even the story of what just happened in that fight. Yeah, I mean, he definitely kind of took over the narrative. I mean, I think when it's all said and done, it was a great performance from Sean. You know, he looked basically, you know, unscathed throughout of it. Even though, you know, Chris, there's a couple punches that, like, he landed a big overhand right. It's like, ooh, is Sean getting tired? Did that one affect him? And it's like, not really, because he's still, I mean, he fought on his back foot the whole time. But, yeah, he was piecing him up. And, you know, to, to Chris's credit, heart solid chin 
all that's there. But I said it when we were watching the fight. The thing he's missing is the most fucking important thing you need in this game is the skill set to get it done. He has the heart. He has the, you know, the the drive to keep pushing forward when he's eaten. You know, a lot of punches that, you know, they were clean, snapping punches, but they weren't like... Sean wasn't sitting down. You saw in the... I think it was the, the end of the first or the second where he sat down on one of them and he, he, he planted Chris on his ass. But he was just eating these shots and it's like, man... If you just had a skill set to attack the body, go to the clinch, try to take him down, do anything besides just walking into the fire, maybe you could win this fight. Maybe there's a way to get a screech, like a huge victory. But like he just kept walking forward yeah. with no. Ch I mean, he landed a couple punches. That was it. I'd like to see. I think he looks like a flyweight, obviously, given the size difference we saw. I'd like to see what this. I'm like, give, I mean, they're gonna give him some fights. You don't just. This is how you get into UFC. You definitely you earn fight. an actual fight where he has. They a always camp. do. This if you, is if short you show up, thing. if you show up short notice, this is how you get into the UFC. You know. Um, put the man at 125 if that's his weight class. Let's get a full fight and full fight camp for this guy. But I was thoroughly entertained when it was over. I'm like, God damn, this guy's just like, okay, again, if, if man, if you want to put your Venmo out there, your cash app, I'll, I'll pitch five bucks to you just for that. He got a 75 I mean, grand for yeah, uh, I, fight I, of the night. Again, watching the embeddeds, that was really his own goal. He's like, I'm not promising a win. I'm not promising a loss. But I just want that fight of the night. So for a guy debuting coming out, he got it. Um, I can't remember what editorial I read, but I kind of agree. Look, I'm not mad that he got it. The kid will certainly need it. That said, I think it's weird he got it. It's weird to give fight of the night to a one-sided shellacking. Like, usually fight of the night implies some type of back and forth, a swing. Yeah, and it was, it was a very... No, but no, very we, we saw the fight of the night. No, we, we saw it was entertaining a, uh, um, Pajeda versus uh, Nico Price was excellent. That would have been a that would have been a good fight of the night. I thought, honestly, I thought it was fight of the night until that happened, and I knew you knew they were gonna get it. You just kind of knew that shit was gonna happen. We should have been we should be happy Connor and Dustin didn't get it. Like this, at least some guy got it who needed the money. Um, Max Griffin beat Carlos Condit. Looked good. I like Max Griffin. He talked about how big of a fan of Carlos Conner he was, and he needed to get a picture with him, and they went and got a picture and signed each other's jerseys. Seems like a good dude. He said he had the best memes, and you should follow him. He does not have the best memes. He's a real lack of memes in general on his Instagram page. Max Griffin, don't lie to the people. Um, Pereira and Nico Price had a fucking battle. That was just a really good fight back and forth. Mike, I'm picking up your fan left and right, so mute yourself, please. Sorry. Um, it's all good. It's hot, um, it's hot over here. Um, and then, uh, Ryan Hall, man, I think we had our fun oh, there, right? Oh, whoa, whoa, I know you want to move fast, but we can't not just completely skip over that Michelle Pereira backflipped into full mount. Oh, he backflipped into a stomping on a motherfucker's head. <laughs> like, like, that happened, too. <laughs> like, like we, can't, we can't just say they had a fight. Like, Michelle Pereira is the guy who does crazy shit and gases himself out, and he succeeded with some of his crazy shit in this fight, so let's give him props. That's true. Um, he did the backflip, and he landed on the guy's head, and then the... Then uh, Price looked at the ref like, the fuck, man? He stopped yo, me in the head, and then nothing happened. <laughs> why, why would he think that's legal? Because, I mean, obviously we're not in Pride, and it's not 2006. So why would he think a soccer kick would be legal? And in the, if that's the case, why would he think flipping on a motherfucker's head would be legal? Look, we had that happen. We had um, Gilbert Burns dribbling Wonderboy's uh, the back of his head. We had Connor digging fingers into Con Dustin's gloves. The rules just didn't apply a lot of last night. There was, it was chaos, man. We had a fucking ex-president there. We had Mel Gibson there. We had, for some reason, um, the guy from Blink-182 making out with the Kardashian, like the second they put a camera on him. There was a lot happening all at once. 
humanity failed in general that whole evening. This is a disgusting display. Um, do you guys see Jessica Eyes cut? I didn't watch the fight, but you see the cut she got? I did not. I, 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 I like the uh, the joke on Twitter. What? Uh, her new name was Jessica Third Eye. Yeah, right, right above her, it looked like yeah, she had the eye right above, above uh, on her forehead there. She was out like, here licking like Tenshinhan from from Dragon Ball Z. Just the third eye, just open right in her fucking yeah. forehead. Um, fight of the night: O'Malley, Chris Moutinho. Performances of the night: um, whoever the gentleman who knocked out Trevin Giles, Dricus Duplessis. I didn't see that fight. Um. And, uh, yeah, 75 grand for each of them. Again, they did the 75 grand. They asked Dana White if the 75 grand is a permanent thing. And he said, uh, no, it would destroy our, it would uh, hurt our profit margin or hurt, destroy our profit margin. So I'm going to do some quick math for you people. It's normally 50,000 for these. It's 75,000. So 25,000 times four people, because there's two people in the, in the fight and two people, we had the bonuses. It's $100,000. We have 42 MMA events a year, $4.2 million. The gate last night, or Saturday night, was almost $16 million. Did you already do this math beforehand? Uh, like, did you have this ready to go? 25 times 4 times uh, 42. What are you, goddamn, what are you, a Dominican from the islands? Like, you just out here doing math in your head what? with no calculator? No, let me tell you, you're insulting my giant screen here. This whole left side of the screen, I got a calculator open, all right? Um... So yeah, um, Ben Folks described it as Data White saying the quiet part out loud. <laughs> that right there. <laughs> um, so did, yeah, you, you have, did you mention the new crypto deal? Uh, uh, $175 million deal over 10 years. The fighters are getting... Stefan Ariel asked, ben, uh, asked uh, Bill Simmons, didn't he? he says, Guess Bill, how correctly, much. Uh, Bill correctly guessed 0%. None nothing, of it goes to the fighters. Nothing goes to the fighters. Big old goose eggs. As Francis Ngannou would say, what are we doing wrong? And then Nate Diaz would say, what is Francis Ngannou doing wrong? Just gotta do, you got to do what Irene did. Just bring your old fight kit with you <laughs> where you don't see the crypto thing on your shirt. Um, that was a good card. I enjoyed myself. I know a lot of people were like, oh, you paid for this thing. And then it ended in a doctor stoppage in the main event. That's why there's four other fights you're supposed to care about on the main card. They're pretty good, quite frankly. I wasn't really bored about any of them, even with Gilbert doing what he had to do. Thought it was a pretty solid card overall. What'd you think, Mark? Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I think the Burns fight's definitely a low point, and I think it's a little bit of a missed opportunity. You know, could have garnered a lot of fans, a lot of li eyes on him. But other than that, the main card was awesome. You know, the spectacular yeah. fights and even the prelims were good. Yeah, yeah exactly. you got four finishes. And honestly, like, I mean, if if the, if the Gilbert Burns versus Wonder Boy is the worst fight on your main card, you had a pretty good main card. Things good. went pretty well overall is what that means. Um, it was good, but I, I give it a small asterisk, right? Um, the, the the finale having a slightly unclean finish. Look, that was unsatisfying. Of course. Uh, whether that leg break was earned from a check kick or not, it it feels fluky. And so the main event of the night kind of ending on kind of unsatisfactory terms. That That is the one kind of little mark on the night, I'd say. Yeah. Uriah Hall's out there calling Dustin a bum. Like, man, I mean, I beat, I threw zero strikes. And I won with a guy breaking his leg. You took you two entire five minutes. You're bitching to the referee. You're taking leg kicks. All sorts of shit. I mean, <laughs> is he lying? Is he lying though? Nah, not at all. Um, all right. But can we get Sean O'Malley, someone real to fight? Any of the people who called him out this whole week? Pick one know. of them. I, I know he's the not ranked. He, I think the guy he fought was pretty real. Did you see all the times he hit him? They're pretty real to me. 
I mean, come on. Jokes aside, we got to get a real... we got to get somebody in here, man. I mean, I'm looking at the UFC rankings, um, which is generally useless. But I concede he's not ranked, Sean O'Malley. What's Jimmy Rivera up to? He's number 12. Jimmy Rivera, Sean O'Malley. What do you think, Mark? That'd be great. That's awesome. I think there's a Jimmy, lot of fun fights for, for Sean. A Sun Sal. Okay, a Sun, a sun Sal might a Sun Sal him. That might be a rough one. Yeah. Um, if I fight Sean O'Malley, I am exclusively throwing leg kicks. He does not. I feel he doesn't take them well. I don't trust anything going on with this dude's lower body. It's, it looks like he could crack at any moment. Um, all right. MMA news this week. Um, it sounds like we're getting Nick Diaz back. Sounds like we're going to, and we're also getting the fight that makes the most sense, honestly. Uh, a rematch from UFC 47, I think it is, where Nate, uh, where Nick Diaz, the, kind of where the legend of the Diaz brothers came from, is this fight. Um, where Nick Diaz fought Robbie Lawler and um, spent, I mean, look, you are listening to this podcast, you probably heard the Joe Rogan thing, where he talks about calling that fight, and Nick just before the fight walking around the octagon screaming, Stockton, motherfucker. And then Mazagati telling Nick to stop talking shit in a fight, which is not against the rules. And you knocked out Robbie Lawler. And that was 17 years ago? Or 15 years? 16 years ago? I think it was 2005. 16 years ago. Nick hasn't fought in six years, I think. Um, My fight makes sense, Mike. What do you think? (laughs) Fight makes sense to me. Um, I will admit, I have actually never even seen the first uh, uh, Diaz-Lawler fight. Um, Mm Mm-hmm way before my time and i've never actually thought to go back to watch it well so, we're paying for a fight pass brother <laughs> yeah <might> so, well. <laughs> um if if this is the fight that's going to happen i think i'll probably be going on a uh nick diaz uh, nostalgia tour but i think also just for you know the present day i think it's a really good matchup nick hasn't fought in, in five six years and um not to say that lawler still isn't extremely formidable but you know, we are on the uh, downward trajectory of his career at this point, and he still has a lot of name name value and cachet um, for for Diaz's first fight. So, I think it works out very well on both ends. Steph, was there somebody else you would have wanted him to fight, or are you just happy we're going to see what he's got at this point? Um, and off the top, I haven't. I've, I honestly just have not thought about Nick Diaz in such a long time. Right, he's been what out of the sport for six, almost seven years at this yeah. point. So, you know, in your head, you're just kind of saying, you know, like, I'd love to see him again, but he's for more for all intents and purposes. He just seems retired. I'm sure I could if I sat down, but like, this is fine. Right. Robbie is as good of any of the names you could have thrown out. And most importantly, it's appropriate. Right. We're not feeding him against a Leon Edwards. Right. We're not throwing him in with a current day titled contender. We're not worrying about that. You know, um, and, you know, Robbie's coming off of a lot of losses himself. So if Nick wins, then we can start having a little bit of fun with it. But let's see what he looks like after all this time. Absolutely. Um, okay. Um, other news. Ariel Hawani went on a bit of a media tour this week. With Now that he's got five jobs and four of them haven't started yet, from what I can tell. <laughs> so he's got some time on his hands. Um, we're kind of back. We're kind of at uh, Ariel. Not that he's, I mean... Not that he doesn't give a fuck, but Daryl's just not holding back on any level because he doesn't work for the broadcast partner of the UFC. Um, we all cut. This isn't a surprise to anybody. Him talking about how Dana White and the UFC tried to stop him from keeping his job at ESPN at the beginning and how when Dana would be on uh, ESPN shows, they had to have security escort Ariel away from the show 
at the request of Dana White. Uh, Mike? You're muted, Mike. Quick correction to what you just said about uh, Dana White trying to keep uh, Arrow from keeping his job at the beginning. Dana White tried to keep Arrow from even getting the job. Like after it had been announced that Ariel was um, signing on at ESPN, um, Ariel intimated, well, not intimated, he flat out said that Dana White was trying to get it that he wouldn't even start at ESPN. Yeah. He, he was trying uh, to hamstring him even before he got to ESPN. So, yeah, this, by the way, I feel like I know Dana White's feelings are, are hurt. He's got, he's real boo boo faced about how Ariel broke Brock's return to yeah, UFC 200. Um, if I'm the UFC and Dana White, I'd like to make people never remember the UFC 200 with Brock Lesnar because they bent every single USADA rule to get Brock Lesnar into that card. And then Brock Lesnar popped for all the steroids, every single one, made the UFC look like assholes, made Brock Lesnar look like assholes, uh, make it like an asshole, made, made Jeff Nowitzki look like an asshole, made the WWE drug testing program look like a bunch of dumbasses too. It was a bad look all around. Had them spend a, made, spend a bunch of money on lawyers when Mark Hunt sued them. I don't know if it got dismissed or anything. That's besides the point. Nothing he said there is a surprise. Um, just a bully can't... Dana White doesn't do well with people who don't... Who push back. And Ariel didn't even push back. But you just notice, whenever Dana White has a problem with somebody, it's because he can't control him. So I don't know what else there is to say about it. But Mark, I mean, we, I played it for you earlier, the clip. You were just like, it's fucking sad, right? I mean, I, I haven't really kept up with all the interviews he's done today, but you know, one, I'm glad he's airing out old grievances. You know, I think that's part of the the process of, you know, being in a position where maybe you're, you know, asked not to talk about certain things and don't throw, you know, certain people under the bus. And then when you get liberated from that to to go on a show and be like, this is how it really was, you know, let me. And that's something that I mean, if you've been listening to our show, we've always thought extremely highly of Ariel because I think he's one of the best journalists in the game. And a lot of that is just being honest, asking the good, honest questions and just being forthright with the audience. And a lot of times that rubs people the wrong way. It obviously rubbed Dana White the wrong way. And I think your example is just one of many things that he's probably said throughout his career that, you know, has irked Dana or caused him to, you know, get upset because things were leaking or he's talking about things he doesn't want him to. But at the end of the day, in fighters too, you know, there's been a couple of fighters like I don't like talking to Ariel because you know he asks questions I don't like. But honestly, they they never, from my point of view, been like off the line or off kilter. It's always been valid questions that might be hard subjects for these guys to talk about or to hold a mirror up to. But that's it's why even, it's just sad part, Mark. He's not even the one who's out there like bringing up concussions or their questionable drug testing program or the fact that they got half they got a bunch of fighters dealing with a warlord or they do business with ali abdulaziz aziz's shady ass like he doesn't even bring that shit up like he's literally just talking about they booked this fight oh they're gonna book that fight they're gonna it's literally just i mean it's woge shit right and stefan it's him being the wojanowski of mma which mark is yeah, not a basketball fan he just breaks he just breaks fight free agent news and trade news and stuff that's what that yeah. type of reporting Sport reporting, you know, yeah. that's just what it, it is. But yeah, Ar Ariel said it very plainly is Dana didn't like that. I even mentioned the business aspect like he wanted to be purely promotional, stick to the fights, don't do anything. And, you know, he just didn't like that. It was someone he couldn't control. And that's really what it comes down to. Um, and it's unfortunate, but it's nice to hear Ariel talking about it. You know, one of the things he vented on the Simmons podcast, he's like, I'm not I wasn't even allowed to mention Bellator. 
Like he Dana got mad if I even mentioned that Bellator had an event. Like, you know, he's like, We're covering the sport of MMA. We're not covering just the UFC. But uh, you know, he he's happy, he's in a better place. He 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 said he thinks it's better for him to not, you know, have the corporate overlord. There was kind of a natural conflict of interest with ESPN having such a big stake in the UFC and what type of coverage they can give. Um, you know, now in his independent things, you know, he'll be he'll be able to give his like open opinion. And if anything, he'll get to be that journal who we want to name the best journalist award after him for. Right? We'll we'll probably see the better version of Ariel that we've honestly kind of been missing the last few years because you know. I'll admit, ever since he went to ESPN, I listened to him a lot less. I listened to him the least amount I ever had in my life in the time he was with ESPN, and um, I don't think it's I'm totally glad the an MMA hours coming back. I'm glad the MMA hours coming back because it was a good show. You know, I did um, like him talking. He today he was talking about how they're promoting the hell out of those new shows with DC and Chael, and Ariel's like, yeah, they didn't promote our shows at all. I'm like, that is true. They didn't promote those at all, and they promoted the hell out of. Uh, Jorge Cedeno, and who Ariel gave a lot of props to, and uh, Chael's show, and then also Daniel Cormier and Ryan Clark, who I I still don't know what that show is going to be about because I don't know how much MMA Ryan Clark is it going to be about MMA? I like Ryan Clark when he talks about football. I think he's a very smart guy, but I don't know, man. Not everybody. I mean, it would have made too much sense just to put Chael and DC on the same show, huh? That would have been too easy. We all could have. We could have. I would have watched that. Well, I enjoyed, I think, I enjoyed I think the reason, and Ariel. I think the reason why they didn't do that is because then they would be losing a show. Even I mean, though that makes all the sense in the world. I bet that show would do better, but I don't know. Maybe these other ones will do stuff. Yeah, um, Dana White can talk to Barstool Sports, you know, and that bullshit about stuff. Keep it real surface level. Can't even go on first take because Molly asks some tough questions. It's interesting. Anyway, um, Bellator is actually happening since, you know, they don't stop us from talking about Bellator. Bellator is happening this weekend. Can't control us. I'm not fighting on it. Fuck Connecticut again. Yeah, Mike, you got to go to Mohegan Sun, man. We're trying to send you to Uncasville. All right. You know what? When I'm coming to visit, if the Bellator card is happening that Friday, you and me are going to cover Bellator and we're blowing off that rehearsal dinner we're supposed to go to. Which one would you rather go to, Mike? Which one would you rather go to? Rehearsal dinner in New Jersey or Bellator in Uncasville, Connecticut. <laughs> Why are you putting me in that situation, man? We're recording right now, man. We can't have that we're not shit missing the wedding. We're happy to go to the wedding. Just a rehearsal dinner or going to watch fights? <laughs> I, I, got, I, only have to pack, I only have to pack one suit if we go to the, we go to the fights. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I mean, you could actually wear the suit to go to Bellator, you know, and then just wear the suit again the next Oh, time. no. I sat next to some guy wearing a suit when I went to war MMA, and I'm like, look at this fucking tool. Who is this fucking tool? It's war MMA wearing a suit. It's the first, first time anybody stocked and wore a suit that wasn't fucking on trial for something. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Let's talk about the UFC. Um, by the way, Stefan, Khabib says he turned down a fight with uh, GSP. Just breaking your heart over there, man. I mean, you know why, right, Bobby? He's scared. Yeah. Scared of GSP. Yeah, we all know it. Aggregated. I mean, if we got any uh, internet aggregators, it's amazing reporting. Khabib Nurmagomedov scared to fight GSP. He saw. AKA. I mean, three Captain Americas couldn't stop. Yeah, George St. Pierre. I mean, GSP just. I like it every scene. Just the way he died. Didn't he? Did he get capped by? Or we don't know if he died. He got capped by a uh, lady. 
It took a little rebel lady to shoot GSP, but yeah. three Captain Americas could not stop GSP. That's right. He's got hair now. People call him St. P. George, St. P. Hair. It's a real easy pun, but, you know, <laughs> GSP's got a statue. They got a statue of GSP in Montreal. Ain't no statues of Dana White anywhere. I'm going to put a Madame Tussauds there for him to get punched in the face. Um, I'm going to give the UFC, UFC credit for exactly one thing here. They didn't show Donald Trump and say, here's Donald Trump at the event. I made me, I, I appreciated that. That was it. Bet you um, Dana White pushed for it, though. I mean, he, they want people to enjoy themselves and not start a riot. But like, are these people drunk enough to see this asshole ex-president? No? Okay. Um, all right, UFC is going to be, do we have a crowd? Or are we back to this fucking uh, thing again? Back to the Apex. Right. Why are we, Why? Well, because no one's going to this. No one will go to this. That's why. Um, what we're going to watch this Saturday, if you watch, is Tiago Moises get fucking brutalized by Islam Makachev. Um, Islam's not here to make it pretty. Islam's here to fucking ragdoll you and punch you. Um, you are fucked when you fight this man. He's a minus 750 favorite. Um, is anybody picking against Islam Makachev? Negative. Does anybody think he might get a finish, though? Why not? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. He gets a lot of decisions. Betting line, minus 750. Stefan, sorry, I'm doing your job. Plus one, plus 490 for Tiago Moises. Let's talk about the real shit here. The return of the former bantamweight champion, Misha Cupcake Tate. She had another nickname before that, right? Uh, I don't think so. I'm not sure. Yeah, because we all thought Cupcake was stupid. Misha Cupcake Tate coming back from motherhood, and she has not fought since UFC. Well, let's let's rephrase that because coming back from motherhood makes it sound as if there was a horrible accident to her children. I mean, only if you choose to interpret it that way. That's Man, like the only ways. Uh, Misha Tate last fight being Raquel Pennington, I think. I want to say UFC mm-hmm. two hundred five. Uh, Is that right? Her, her other nickname, which was. Also not good was takedown. Misha takedown. That's right. That's right. Shit was accurate at least. Okay, I'm just saying. She's taking on Marion Renault in Marion Renault's retirement fight. Betting line for this one plus one oh. Stuff on. I apologize. You go ahead. Give us. You can go Fanduel if you'd like. <laughs> go for it, Bob. You, you you had such gusto in your voice. Go for it. Plus one oh two for Marion Renault minus. 124 for Misha Tate. One woman's foot out the door. Other woman, foot just got back in the door. Mike, who you got? Ooh, it's a battle of feet. I'm not sure which one exactly to go with. <laughs> but I'm going to go with Tate on this one. Um, She's been away a long time. Um, And I don't know if this is the best strategy to have because it's very similar to, I think, my thought process when Ronda Rousey came back. But... She looks like she has gotten herself into tremendous shape in like the, the Instagram videos I've seen and like what I've seen on, on YouTube over the last uh, month or two. So I think she is primed and she's ready to go for a comeback to eventually lose to Amanda Nunes. Um, in a Mike, has been follow- Mike has been following Misha Tate for years, just anticipating she'll come back. He was doing his research, he's doing his work as a podcaster to make sure by why the way misha tate, why, you always got, why you always make me out to be a creeper fuck man <laughs> misha tate 34 years old by the way 
still pretty young. I think Marion Renault's in her 40s, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Stefan. Yes, um, I'll get to that. You don't got to look it up, Mike, because I know how old she is. Um, oh, you said Misha's been gone for a few years, retired. You know what Marion Renault's been doing in that time? Losing. She has <laughs> lost four in a row. She's 44 years old. Um, she didn't get there till she was like 39, right? She was very old. It's, yeah. Yeah. So she she's had a late run at things. Look, uh, you know, all signs. She she's also losing unanimous decisions. And that's one thing we can expect Misha to go do, right? She can wrestle, she can grapple, she can take you down. She may not be able to get that finish, but she can eke out a decision. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll take the useful one here. Uh, it's just, you know, you lose on your way out the door. Uh, true pro wrestling style. Yeah, I got, I got Misha also. Mark, who do you got? Yeah, I mean, the, the only real reason not to pick Misha is you're concerned about the layoff. You know, five years is a long time. Um, but, you know, just looking at just facts on the paper stylistically how they fight the competition they fought against and how they've done against it It, it's hard to pick against tate i mean really the only reason why you would is like you're unconfident that the five years has done her well but you know she's always been someone who's who stayed in shape you know even while she was working at one fc um she's always been you know a fan of of the fight game and it i believe her when she says like she she is coming back not because she needs the money but because she just misses fighting um, you know, who really knows? Uh, but you know, I tend to believe her when she says that. So I think she's gonna I think she's putting a lot into this. She knows that, you know, this stint is probably not gonna be super long. You know, I I, I expect two, three, maybe four fights at most, but I Why? think she's going to, you know, this is gonna be the first step. And if she loses this one, she knows like if you know the foot doesn't get in the door, she's not gonna make it very far. Hey, Bob. Why do why do you think this is gonna be a short stint? I don't know. I, I just I feel like after you've retired for five years and you know you've had that other life, the call will come back. And but once you get, I mean, honestly, I think once you get back into into regular fighting where you're fighting every three to four months, that camp is just brutal. And I'm sure part of the reason she retired was just like this is a tough game, and you know I'm fighting against really tough competition, and and the decisions aren't going my way. Time for another avenue. I think when you retire, it's hard to think someone's going to have a long stint afterwards. You know, maybe she does. I've always been a big fan of Misha Tate. She's not always the most exciting person to watch, but she has a ton of heart. She doesn't give up. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm rooting we, for Do we now have two people on our podcast intro who are fighting actively? That'd be nice. Was, It'd be nice. All we had, all we had was Benavidez, who we, I mean, I wonder how many more years Joseph, Joseph's got left, right? Because Forrest is gone. Caraway. Stealing jet ski, jet skis, or what was it? Yeah, right, yeah that whole right? story's a um, Forrest, him, I don't know who else we have on there. Greg Jackson, don't fight nobody. So We probably should update the intro song, I think, is really what you're saying. But yeah, we yeah, probably should. That's from what we have, it's nice that someone who's on it You know what, it took too long back. for you guys to get sold on Big E as a, for a cameo, and now Big E cameos cost too much because Vince McMahon has to take half the money. And that was my idea. One away. Um, he's an MMA fan. He would have just done it, maybe. We just ask him. Do you want to do it? <laughs> come on. If you come back here, ever, we'll buy you a sandwich. Um, we're not picking this fight, but I'm um. Oh, did we all pick? Sorry, did we all pick our the winner in this one? Yes. Mike, where are we at, by the way? The standings. Ooh, glad you would ask that, Bobby. Because I, I think you might have taken the lead again, right? I have not. If um. If I hadn't been intoxicated by the siren call of Connor's press conference, I would have taken the lead, but I stupidly decided to uh, change my pick at the last minute. And uh, since I sent it in a group ch- in a group chat, I, well, 
I had no choice. I had Man, to. I had to let me tell. Let me tell you, Mike, because I saw on the website you hadn't updated it, and well, I was getting I ready to update it before. Uh, updated it before the card. I, I was looking at one point earlier in the day, and you hadn't. Well, yeah, Whatever. before the main uh, event. Um, I no, was getting ready to argue either way. I was getting no, ready no. to be like, yo, man, you didn't put it on the website. Carter winning doesn't count. Or <laughs> you put in the group chat. You said Dustin's going to. Like, I was so, I was ready either way to argue with you. So you're so, getting ready to fuck me in any which way, huh? Uh, okay. Every single way. Exactly. Um, um, so where well, are we at? Uh, me and you are both tied at 42 and 24. Nice symmetry with those numbers. Um, Mark is in second at 40 and 26, and Kid P at 36 and 30. Uh, Kid P and Mark both had great weeks last week going 4 and 1, so congrats. Uh, I, I love my man Mark, but uh, I'm going to get on some semantics because this is a pet peeve of mine. When you have a tie for first, there is no second. It goes to third. It, how? That's a good point. No, <laughs> if two people that's tie legitimate. for the gold medal, there's no silver medal. You then there's the bronze. That's true. I've seen that. Well, oh, okay. No, I, I, I see feel he, I, I, I feel they should be rewarded with the silver medal. You know, it doesn't matter. I'm going. You, Mike. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you like won the, the most medal. championships. This year is far from over. I'm gonna win it again. I'm gonna pick smart and not stupid, just like I did in this card. So it's, let me tell you. Know, you. Mike, I'm glad you like the silver medal because that's what you'll be getting good again this year. I don't know, man. I'm probably gonna get fucking fourth on some. <laughs> well, we, I, we I wouldn't put Mike it past down. me. Have we beaten Mike down at this point? I have. I have more stupid emotional picks. Like, yo, Carter was a straight asshole at his press conference. Let me change my <laughs> fucking pick. God. All right, uh, Matt, Matt, Matthews Gam- Gamrot is taking on Jeremy Stevens. It's pretty big, un- pretty big favorite, I think, Steph. Right. Bob, I close the lines because you've been reading them all night, <laughs> and then you come back to me. Uh, Gamrot is a minus two thirty to the stage pusher, uh, Jeremy Stevens. The uh, yeah. should be suspended for his pushing. Keep pushing on him. Keep eighteen and on one him. with the only loss being a split. Um, his nickname is Gamer, which I saw that movie. It wasn't good. So, oh, what if this guy makes a whole thing out of being a gamer, and then Mighty Mouse is over in Japan? And like, what the hell? Why yeah. didn't I get the promotion? <laughs> oh, they 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 start sending this kid to like E three and shit, and give him like a big Twitch sponsorship only goes to him or something. <laughs> and Mighty Mouse is just in a corner. Fuck, this is bullshit. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm gonna keep an eye out on this kid though, man. He's only 18 and one. He's fighting a top team. Um, so. That camp's doing good stuff these days. We'll see uh, where we go from here. And Jeremy Stevens is a tough guy. If you beat Jeremy Stevens, it's impressive. Still is. So, um, all right. Let's do stuff we like. Um, all I got, really. Oh, Mike, sorry. Oh, no. I was just going to uh, say, let me go first, because mine is uh, actually just very short. Um, I rewatched uh, The Da Vinci Code. Uh, should watch The Da Vinci Code. Good movie. Okay. That's it. Yeah. Um, not any of the got... follow-ups, though. Not any of the follow-ups. See, I thought the no, sec- I y'all thought the... know what the Da Vinci Code is. I don't need to explain the Da Vinci Code. No, he's saying the follow-up movies. Oh, he's Angels saying. and Demons. Angels and Demons is pretty good too. That was a better movie, I thought. Personally, you, they were bad. Ewan McGregor tries to be the Pope. Yeah, it's it's you know it's watchable. Um, Real quick, all I really got is uh, talking about Black Widow, which I'm sure everybody here can talk about. So I'm just going to mention real quickly. Um, the, Amer- the owner of American Top Team, Dan Lambert, showed up on AEW real randomly. 
Like, he was sitting next to Amanda Nunes and um, Jorge Masvidal. And then they started interviewing. They wanted to interview him. And then I didn't know that Dan Lambert was a character on Impact Wrestling. Like, I knew that he like there was some American Top Team stuff. But apparently, he was a real dickbag heel uh, manager on, on Impact Wrestling a couple years ago when Bobby Lashley was there. So he just grabbed the microphone and started cutting a promo in the ring. And I'm like, well, this is interesting. And it was a good promo. And then he got, uh, then Lance Archer came into the ring and uh, beat his ass. And I was like, well, that that happened. The crowd enjoyed it. I was like, well, I was just, I'd like seeing old ass Dan Lambert take a big ass bump, though. <laughs> that was pretty cool. But all else I got is Black Widow. So we can, I can wait till we get to Black Widow talk. So, Stefan, besides Black Widow, what do you got? Yeah, it's been a nice big week on the uh, K pop front. Um, getting a lot of music. My uh, favorite girl group, Twice. Them girls stay working. Um, they release a Japanese single I've been really enjoying called Perfect World. Uh, they have an English album that's going to be coming out soon in like a couple weeks here. Uh, I finally was checking out their actual EP for uh, their last major single, Alcohol Free. They got a song called First Time. Mike, I'm really only talking to you here, but uh, I really like it. I think it's one of their best songs, and it's actually kind of like a mature, sexy song for them. Uh, so it's like, uh, yeah, it's just called First Time off of their last album. One of my favorite B-sides from them. Uh, the big release of the week is uh, International Sensation BTS dropped their third English single called uh, Permission to Dance. Um, and here's a little spicy take. It's not that good. Uh, it is so fundamentally an Ed Sheeran song. Ed Sheeran did uh, co-write it with them, but it just sounds like an Ed Sheeran reject song, and it doesn't sound like a BTS song whatsoever. Uh, and here's the yeah. thing. And this is not this is not this is stuff we like not stuff we meh no this is, this is a spicy take on it because i like that uh i'm vindicated in my take because in its first 24 hours it only got 88 million views on youtube they were trying to break their own record of 116 but the fact that it didn't even come close shows that the audience agrees with me this was not this was not the one this was not it but you know what? Know. Not everything. Not everything can set the number one record on YouTube. You know, it, it ends up landing somewhere in eighth place. You know, so poor BTS. But um, happy to see uh, K-pop really just taking this effect over the whole world. Um, still nice to see that uh, BTS meal still going strong. You tried it yet, Mark? Did you try the sauces yet? I haven't. Is it too late now? I can't imagine it's still going on. Right for like two months. It's. Is it McDonald's or Burger King? McDonald's. They're not going to Burger King, Bobby. Come on, it's BTS. Well, I don't know. I was going to say I was at Burger King getting myself a, a Diet Coke on the way home, and I did not see uh, I did not see BTS anything. I was like, oh, I don't. I was going to answer. I not I, a Burger King. I thought the BTS meal was very underwhelming. Also, considering that like you don't get any like paraphernalia or anything. It's just literally you just like get two special some, sauces. Get some chicken nuggets and some sauce, bitch. <laughs> what paraphernalia were you hoping to get out of it? Like a sauce? No, like. In like a like a Happy Meal box with you know a bunch of Korean boys on it. You want the card? Which member did yeah. you get? Which member are you getting in your? You got to collect them all. They missed an opportunity to make you there, buy it at least seven times. There's one of them called Jin, right? Jin is one of them. Yes. All right. My my niece taught me that. There's one called Jin. I'm like, cool. She likes Jin. It's not Jimin. It. That's another it Jimin? one. Jin is the oldest one whom Korea recently changed their military laws. Thus, it became colloquially known as the BTS law. Wait, so there's a Jin and a Jimin. Yes. Too close. One of them should have changed their names. Like, yeah. I mean, we like, can't, can't have a, 
We like can't have a James and a John. I mean, those are pretty you close. You can't have a Mick and a Nick in a, you know, in a boy band group. It's too close. I mean, those rhyme. I'm just I saying. Don't I don't think so. I think one of them's got to change their name to like Mark. Hey, Mark. Hey, me. Is I'm in the band. There are a couple groups that do just have members. Well, named I was gonna Mark. say. Well, Wait, Mike, was that transitional so we could ask Mark about his that, stuff? Because Stefan may not be done. That was a complete accident. <laughs> Stefan, are you done or can we use that transitional moment right there, please? <laughs> Mark, let's go to you. What do you got? Mark! <laughs> well, the first thing I would say to BTS is you don't ask for permission to dance. You just dance. Don't ask nobody. No one stop you from dancing. You just go out there and you do your dance. Mark, that is actually fundamentally the hook of the song is we don't need permission to dance. Oh, well, then they're, they were flawed with us. I think a lot of people didn't watch that, that video because they're like, permission to dance? This doesn't make any kind of sense. Did, I'm not wasting did they time. watch Foot? loose and then write a song they were inspired yes, by that like this was inspired here? by the town in footloose because <laughs> that as far as i know that is the only time that you are fundamentally not allowed to dance it's not allowed to dance man Makes sense. watch footloose dance can't dance um, at funerals we'll do some some quick hits uh we shouted out earlier but i i feel like i should mention a good uh friend of the podcast eddie we all went to his house haven't seen him in Personally, probably a couple of years, even before the pandemic. But uh, yeah, it was nice to hang out with him. And he was gracious enough to allow us all to watch Black Widow. We didn't have to buy it. Me and Stefan did because we want to watch it again. We didn't have to, but we did. I have to mention to Stefan, I'm carrying it right near. He gave me my new favorite mug, the Munor mug from the Avengers Campus. I can't say the name of it, but it has become my favorite mug. But I will say, while it is extremely cool looking, the square mug is not ideal for drinking. You end up trying to drink out of the, the square. It's just, it, it's not great. They, they nailed it with the circle, but, you know, for theming, for thematic taste, very fun, very interesting mug. Um, before we get into Black Widow, and I think we'll, we'll make it pretty short, um, I will say that I have also been watching all the Harry Potter movies with uh, my wife, Christine. That has been very enjoyable. But I got the old streaming rug pulled right from underneath me. I had HBO Max. They had a whole Harry Potter collection. We are set, baby. We're about like the fifth one in. I go to fire it up. Huh, the collection's usually right here on the screen. I'll go ahead and do a search for that. It's not here anymore. What the fuck just happened? Peacock Network, you sly motherfuckers. You slid right in the middle of it. And if I was, you know. Oh, I got you. Who, mm -hmm. I, I, I have Peacock for another three weeks. You can have my login. Uh, we you, don't buddy. need it. Christine has all the movies on DVD and Blu-ray, but I was still like, oh, oh I, 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 you, have you never seen these before? No, I, I've we've seen all of them before, but we we're just watching them again. Oh. Um, but I was just like, oh, we had it here. And then one day it's gone. And I was like, looked it up. I was like, Peacock Network. God damn it. Anyways, that being said, um, yeah, we, we uh, me, Bobby and Steph saw Black Widow together um, at Eddie's house, which was, you know, not quite the, the theater experience, but I, I honestly wasn't really anticipating going to the theater to watch this i was going to use the disney premium access or whatever to watch it um at my leisure while i was home um but uh, mike you also saw it so if we talked spoilers which i don't even know if we're really going to get into we're cool give me a thumbs up or didn't any kind of see it okay so yeah. i mean all i would say is I, I found it really enjoyable you know it didn't blow my socks off um obviously this is a movie that isn't going forward in the timeline of the MCU. So I think that does taper some expectations because they're in kind of an interesting spot after Endgame and stuff like that. Um, the only kind of interesting tidbit I heard some people talk about on some of the videos I watched was they think this movie would have been better suited if it came out chronologically, if it came out like after Civil War. And I kind of agree. I think it, it would hold more resonance because I do feel 
the few times they've done these kind of prequels going back in time, the only time I can really think of, I mean, outside of like Captain America, I guess, is uh, Captain Marvel, right? Where we kind of already established a lot of characters and timelines and what's going on, and we kind of look back multiple years. Um, but I will say, like, I think there's a lot of fun performances. The it's not surprising that the movie was funny. You know, this has been kind of Marvel shtick is they cut a lot of drama with humor. Um, but I still enjoy it, and I still think um, Black Widow's sister, who I don't know her name, actress or character, Florence and the dad, Pugh. Yeah, she was great. And then the dad, who was in Stranger Things, don't know his name either. He was also David a boy. I thought they did great. I-, I thought they every aspect of their character, whether it was action scenes or uh, honestly, I think they, they stole lost scenes with their comedy. Um, really hit it for me. So overall, I, I really enjoyed the film. Uh, I anticipate watching it again. But it's not. I I feel like it. In the future, if I'm going to do like a big MCU Overwatch, I might slot this in right after Civil War, even though the timelines don't totally match up because technically uh, Civil War, when it ends, is like after this ends because they kind of break everyone out of the jail and stuff. But I just feel like that might flow a little bit better for me because honestly, seeing this, like we know Black Widow sacrificed herself. So it's like we know she's, you know, she's not in any intimate danger. She's not going to lose an eye or an arm here. Um, but there was some little, you know, uh, Easter egg tidbits that played into future movies that I thought was fun. But overall, I just really enjoyed the film. You know, uh, I had a good time. I want to watch it again. But it wasn't, you know, it's not in the upper echelon of my MCU movies overall. I don't know how you guys felt about it. I liked it. I thought it was I didn't I, I talked about this when we watched the movie. I didn't the, the, the bad guy. I didn't view him as the threat. I felt they didn't do a good job convincing me this guy was a threat to the world. Sure. About how he just happened to have... It sounded like he just like, I have like, whatever, 50 people, 100 people. He pretty much just had his own spy agency. They do whatever I want. I'm like, pretty much any spy agency will do that. Like, they follow... If they follow orders, which you imagine they would, they're all threats. So I didn't really buy that part of it. But besides that, I mean, I didn't care. I mean, that's not the thing. I'm just like nitpicking. I, don't, I thought it was good. I thought you said it. I thought Lawrence Pugh and David Harbour killed it. Scarlett Johansson was good. I feel I haven't seen Rachel Weisz in anything in a while. Um, so she was, you know, um, played the mom effectively. She was real good. Um, yeah, I had a good time, you know, that's really, I'm not mean, much, I, yeah, I guess it would have been cool if it came out after civil war, but did okay. 80 million domestic, 78 million, uh, international. That's just the box office part. And, you know, they probably did a lot, a lot of people bought it. They reported 20 or 30 million via the premium access. That's not bad. I mean, the only other movies that the only movies that have done anything during this time is Fast and the Furious Nine, and uh, and that got like I think seventy five domestic, and you know these Black Widow got eighty with just you know with another thirty as stuff on mentioned. So I think they did okay. Yeah, know, basically, um, when when you take their box opening box office and where it slots in among the other Marvel movies, it kind of slots right in between Ant Man One and Doctor Strange. Um, and to what Mark said, that's kind of where it feels in the universe, right? I think it was perfectly enjoyable, not necessarily super memorable. You know, we, we've done so much in the Marvel universe now to come back to kind of a, the, the non superpowered, you know, focus of it, you know? Um, so I, I really enjoyed it. I think, um, I'm, I've been gracious in terms of my feelings towards it versus some of the reviews that I've, you know, since watched or listened to. Um, and part of it is fully admitted the last year the 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 deprivation of marvel movies 
you know, this has been such a constant stream in my life. And we're going to be back at it in no time, right? We got Shang-Chi in September. We got the Eternals in November. We got Spider-Man. I guess it's coming in December. I didn't even realize. But, you know, it was such a thing that we kind of always had one to look forward to. And then we went a full calendar year without anything. And I'm not counting the TV shows in this instance. I'm talking about like, the actual cinematic experience. So I was so excited to welcome it back. I think I was going to come in with, um, again, not a visual medium, but rose-tinted glasses, as a turn of phrase. Um, but, you know, so I ended up really enjoying it. I think there was a lot of characters. But um, I was talking to Mark or Mike a little bit about before. All the critiques of it that I heard are things I did notice in the film. Um, one thing I would point out is, I, would say, I said it this directly to Mike, one of the big tenets of filmmaking is show, don't tell. And boy, was this movie a shit ton of tell, don't show. Um we reference Budapest once again, like seven or eight times. And all we get in terms of a sequence is her pulling up in a car. Little girl walks in the room. Yeah, take the shot. And that's our that's all we get. But we just keep like all the reviews keep saying this. We wish the movie was just the Budapest story that we've heard about for years and years. If we just made that the movie. What what but, I don't understand. But, but we is... did. But we did get we did Kurt, get her good. Blah. We did get her telling us. About what happened at Budapest. So it's like, oh, we, could, we did spend a couple of to show us. The yeah. movie's very tell, don't what, show. But what doesn't. I, I didn't understand it when we saw it, and I still don't understand it. Like, in Endgame, when Hawkeye and Black Widow are going off into space, and they're like, this is just like Budapest, right? And they like laugh. And then oh, Budapest yeah. is them like killing this little kid. Why was that funny? What did they remember that I didn't see that made that memory an enjoyable one for them to bond? Like maybe two different Budapest missions. Well, remember, Mark, there's that point where they do reference in Budapest where there's like that little kind of upward, like, you know, the little attic room. They're like, we spent like two straight days up here and you see all the tic-tac-toe on the vents. Maybe that's their fun memory. It's like, oh, remember when we bonked in the vents? Because yeah, we were smooching. Days with nothing they to do to pass the time. Okay, it was smooching. I get it. Okay. <laughs> there's, all, there's been all that sexual tension between them throughout this series. Maybe that's the part with uh, all all their tic-tac-toe games. Maybe oh. they are playing strip tic-tac-toe, Mark, and it was a nice memory for them. A little smooching in between child murder. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, ultimately, I thought the characterization is great. Um, the character that Mark was alluding to, uh, played by actress Florence Pugh, was Yelena Belova. Um, and it's, it's pretty much known she's going to inherit the Black Widow mantle from this point forward, kind of being set up as the uh, surrogate kid sister to um, Natasha. But that said, um, her stealing the show is a great sign because what it tells me is she's going to slot perfectly in to this Marvel universe. She had the right level of humor, all the stuff about the posing, you know, and why, why, why you do this pose, huh? It's why, why you doing this? Like it really, really did. Um, I loved David Harbour's red guardian and, uh, his topic, his whole thing that he definitely fought Captain America, even though Captain America was definitely frozen at the time that he would have fought him. Like, um, I, I enjoyed that stuff a lot. What's up, Bob? You're muted. You're muted. Sorry. I, this is going to be weird to say. But the scene where she describes, where um, Yelena describes her forced hysterectomy, I don't know why, but I really thought, like, I'm really happy that was in the movie. I really, like, it's weird to say I enjoyed it because it was funny the way she was describing it and how Dude didn't want to hear it, how David Harbour didn't want to hear it. But I was just like, I was like, it, on board with that whole part, man. I was like, yeah. Yeah, it, it was. <laughs> 
I think that what I what I've heard other people say is like that was a direct result from like people criticizing how Black Widow when she was talking to Hulk, I think I can't remember what was it Civil War? I can't remember what movie it was. Yeah, I think it was, it was like a Age of Ultron. Yeah, it was and Ultron. She, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I guess it was Ultron. When she basically was yeah. saying like I'm a monster because I can't have kids, like, and, th- and that was kind of I think a lot of people saw that and was like that that seems kind of like bullshit. Like why are you va- why are you putting all the validation of you being a good person or a, a strong female woman about you can or can't give birth? Why is that the end all end all of like what makes you like a good person or whatever? So I think having that character not only describe it and make light of it, but also there's another scene where she's talking to Natasha and she's like, Oh, do you ever want to have kids? And she's like, I just want to have a dog. So it was like, even though this, this horrible thing happened to me that I didn't have a choice in, like that really wasn't my life's direction. Anyways, I just wanted a dog. And what was funny was I did mention to Christine afterwards, like why the hell did she have a dog at the end? Because mostly our dog Xena was at the barbecue and she flips out anytime she sees any animal. So anytime there's a commercial that has a fucking dog, I was like, was a dog necessary to put a dog in the shot. So I was complaining (laughs) about that. And she's like, well, she didn't mention she wanted a dog. She named the dog after, uh, Natasha's fake ID name. So I was like, okay, they they validated that enough. And the dog wasn't even in there that much. But, um, yeah, I thought that there was a couple moments in the movie that kind of placated to some of the, the, misdirections they went in the past and kind of corrected course a little bit i thought they did then and that yeah, I, was gonna say, I, I mean back, get back to you here stuff but i was like i mean i say it again florence Pugh. i've seen her in two movies it was this and um fighting with my family i think that's what the movie about Paige was she's just those are two very different roles she's really good i, I mean totally i know her, coming out of her on, mouth. on top of that i know her from her horror movie fair uh i'm what is it called uh it's the guy who made Hereditary, I think. That one where they go to the Norwegian, like, fair. Uh, what's that shit called? Um, and it's brutal. What? God. I gotta, I'm, I looking at her fi- I'm looking at her film. Is it? I'm looking at her filmography. Is it The Commuter? No. It's, King. It's... Malevolent. Midsommar. Midsommar. Is... There you go. Midsommar okay. is the horrible, like, Norwegian fair, which ends up being this brutal, violent horrible thing to do with trauma um yeah she's a really really good actress um you know seeing her in that you know the those a24 kind of like indie film pictures and then a fighting with my family she was really one of those like someone on the rise in hollywood and like i said the fact that she was able to steal the show i I love that she's going to slot perfectly in to this next generation of marvel actors and actresses and everything so um yeah it'll be really cool um yeah you you alluded to bob the, the marvel villain problem that is a very recurring thing, you know. Um, I know some people are a little upset about what they did with Taskmaster. I'm not so married to the character that I care. Um, the reveal that it was a supermodel turn actress Olga Kirilenko, who I have not seen in God knows how long. Uh, last I saw her, uh, and this was uh, another uh, film uh, critic who re- uh, pointed it out to me. The last film she was in was in uh, Quantum of Solace, with uh, the Daniel Craig James Bond. And that led to, I did not know that Rachel Weisz was married to Daniel Craig. So um, that's the full circle of all that. But um, Awesome of Solace. Jesus. So that's what the interesting I thought about it was, is supposedly the kid that uh, 
Black Widow murdered became Taskmaster, but I'm like, I'm pretty sure Olga Kirilenko is older than Scarlett Johansson, or at least the same age. So that's just shit with me knowing and pointing out like a continuity error. But, um, you know, they, they did a gender bend on it, which again, I'm fine. Taskmaster is a bit of an obscure character. But that said, Taskmaster is a cool character. And if you were going to do him, so I don't feel like it was well explained in why the, this Taskmaster was a mimic, a perfect mimic, because in camp, comic canon, that's his power, is that he can see anything, like any type of like physical movement and recreate it exactly. So all he has to do is watch a person fight once and he can recreate anything he saw happen. So I don't feel like they did a good job explaining why Olga was able to do this because she had a microchip on her neck. But again, that's why we call it the Marvel villain problem. Look, I just say like what I told you guys the other day. Fuck tax, Taskmaster, making my life difficult in the Spider-Man games. You'll fuck himself. All right. We'll so say one thing I did. I mean, it wasn't a perfect villain, the uh, the the old Russian dude. But one thing I did like is that they didn't go the normal Marvel way, where it's you're getting a villain who is a mirror mirror image of the the, the hero, but just evil. So I'm happy we didn't get that. I thought he sucked. Yeah, was- I didn't want to get to it, but I thought he was. I did. What, what, he's just there. They just like they want to tell this story. When the movie started wrapping up, I'm like, oh, well, we're done here, huh? Like this is the big. This is the big moment. We're on this fucking. You know, we're in Cloud City. We're gonna. I mean, I'm not the only one who saw Cloud City. Come on now. Um, but like, yeah, I saw Cloud. I mean, they went up to Cloud City. I'm like, oh, we're doing this now, okay? And like, yeah. I don't know. I, did, I I feel they didn't really sell me enough on how much of a threat this dude was, but he just like evil Charlie's Angels. That's what's going on there. Um, anybody got anything else? I think that's it. Yeah. Yep. All right. Um, we're gonna be back next week. Uh, we're gonna see if T- if Islam Makachev left anything left of Tiago Moises when that card's over. Um. And then I think we're going to be making our predictions for um, fingers crossed it doesn't get canceled again. Corey Sandhagen versus TJ Dillashaw. Nice. Tell you right now, I'm picking Corey Sandhagen. But I want one and more, Bobby. Always leave him one and more. (laughs) Don't tune Uh, in next week. You know Bobby's picking. This who watched the Chronicle thing about TJ Dillashaw? Besides me. I thought one of you said he watched it. You realize nah, he's just not apologizing nah, for anything. Here. I'm, I'm not <laughs> here for his, uh, his, um, you know, redemption fucking documentary. He really, he really wasn't sorry. <laughs> Didn't come off as sorry at all. Um, all right, guys, we appreciate you listening as always. Um, be back next week as I mentioned. Um, stay safe out there. Get vaccinated. All that fun stuff. Um, I was Doctor Law. That was DJ Mark. That was Kid Presentable. And that was Mr. Lavender Gooms, who's not a scumbag. See y'all next week. Peace out. Yep. Peace.